Oh, isn't it good just to be together? Just good to be together, and uh, it's about 10 degrees chillier than it has been the last few Sundays, but that's okay, isn't it? Right? Just bundle up a little more, and uh, um, just really celebrating the opportunity to be together. Um, We're going to continue through Ephesians, and uh, you remember that Ephesians is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to believers in Ephesus and the surrounding region. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, one of the themes is, is this walk, this walk in following Jesus, right? Walking in love, walking as children of God. And, and I was thinking about it that oftentimes when we hear the word walk or we think about uh, my walk or my faith, our, uh, our Christianity can become very uh, individual, individualized. We can start to think about myself only, right? My walk, my faith, how am I doing? And yet, as we're about to uh, see in Ephesians 5, 21 and moving forward, uh, we're talking about one anothering, and we're talking about our walk as it relates to others, right? And so uh, we're going to do something to, to kick off here, uh, kind of get us in this one anothering mode, because we'll see uh, pretty quickly in Ephesians 5, 21, uh, we're to submit to one another, That S word, right? We're to submit to one another. And uh, what does that mean? And how are we supposed to do that? But uh, see, again, right away, you all went to yourself. I'm supposed to what? So I'm going to shift your focus in. So we're to submit to... Okay, so what we're going to do really quick and at home, if you're with someone at home, I want you to turn to the person around you and just give them a little wave because that's who you're supposed to submit to. <laughs> Everyone look around. Give a little wave, not just to those you came with. Remember, he's talking to who? He's talking to who? Believers. Believers as a whole are supposed to submit to one another. So we're going to actually expand it out because it's not just you, it's not just us. It's, it's all the church family uh, watching. So uh, Isaac's going to pan back and sub- we're going to wave at them because we're supposed to submit to them as well, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Go ahead, everyone wave out there, say good morning, and uh, right? So this, this journey that we're about to enter on, right? Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, Mark did a phenomenal job last Sunday, and we're going to kind of camp on these verses uh, again this Sunday. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right? So uh, this one anothering and in fact submitting in a broad sense in uh, Ephesians 5.21 is really a launching pad uh, into the future. Verses 22 to 33 talks about wives and husbands and that relationship. Uh, Chapter 6, 1 to 4, talks about children and parents. Uh, Chapter 6, 5 through 9, talks about uh, bond servants and masters. And so, really, today, we're going to look at 21 in a broad sense because he says we are to submit. Everyone say submit. Ooh. Not many smiles when you said that, right? (laughs) We are to submit to one another, 521, out of reverence for Christ, okay? So again, one another's, you hear that quite a bit here at the church. We're to one another, one another, 
right? 521 says we're to submit. And, and really, right off the bat, the last part of that verse says, out of reverence for Christ. Now, think about that for just a moment. When I say submit to one another, right away, right, if you don't finish that verse, right away, you can look at the person next to you. Go ahead and look at the person next to you, right? Just go ahead and say, and most of us, if we're honest, we'll look at that person and go, you? I'm supposed to what? To you, right? And, and when it says submit to one another, if you end there and don't read the verse, right away your mind and your emotions engage and you kind of do this. Hmm. Hmm. Right? But what does it say? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this verse right off the bat, the basis for my submission to my brothers and sisters in Christ is out of a reverential fear and awe for God. Amen? Okay, so right away, our eyes don't go to man. This verse says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So everyone, do this. Okay, everyone, do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with this verse. Do this, and then do this. Okay, so now look at the person around you. Look at the person around you. Now do this. And then, do, then point at them. All right? So I'm going to do, out of reverence for Christ, I'm going to submit to one another. You see how the difference? So really, this idea of submitting to one another is rooted in your relationship with God. Your reverence for Christ is where this whole obedience and desire and willingness to submit comes out of. So, you know, if, if I'm not right with God, how much harder is it going to be to submit to a human? Right? Did you think about that? Submit to one another out of reverence, out of awe, right? One version says, out of the fear of God, I am to submit to one another, other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And that word submit, okay, uh, in our culture kind of a toughie, and if you're familiar with this passage, we're going to get into the husbands and wives in just a, just a bit here, not today, and, and, you know, and that whole submit and what does that mean and all of that, right? Some of you are already like this, I could tell, right? You're, you already, your neck is tensing, right? So, so we have to understand, what is the biblical definition, not your bad experience of submission? What is the biblical definition of submission, right? It's a Greek word called hupotasso. And it means to literally, to place under in an orderly fashion for a good and proper purpose. Now, when it says submit, it means pre it's a present tense. It means continuously. Not a one-off. Our heart, our sort of modus operandi as believers is we are to be continually relating in a heart of submission, service, sacrifice, love, to one another. Woo! Right? It's voluntary subjection. So if submit was tough, the word subjection might rankle your feathers a little bit more too, right? Submit, subjection, right? Why is that so tough? Well, because for many of us, we're raised, especially in our culture, to be what? Independent. Assert my rights. Be a leader. Self-reliant. 
right? Don't be a doormat. Make your goals. Pursue your visions, right? Be a leader. Be all that you can be. And suddenly, er, submit to one another. Voluntary subjection. What? And so right off the bat, if, if you're going to really land here and, and, and take time, you're going to have to be honest with the, your human reactions to this. You've got to be honest. Right? You, you just got to come to this place of transparency and say, Lord, I am struggling with this. Lord, I don't even like this in the flesh. My initial reaction is, ugh. Right? And we're going to walk through this, uh, kind of give you a little bit of uh, application when we get to wives and husbands, but I think it'll, it'll help you uh, this morning to understand hupotasso. Wayne Barber says this, hupotasso, the word used for wives to husbands, is the word that talks about two people who are absolutely equal in God's eyes, totally equal. There is not one level of inferiority one to the other. But the wife makes a choice to place herself as an equal underneath another equal. Her husband, in order that there can be order and function in the family. The whole purpose of it is so that it meets the design that God has already ordered. Okay? It's equality. It's not inferior. It's not superior. It's how God designed it so it functions. Well, in the same way, today we're talking out in a broader sense, the church the way that God designed the church to function, he says, hey, church, because who is the church? The people. So he says, hey, in order for the church to function and glorify God, here's how you do it. Hupatasso. Church, we are to have a heart of submission, voluntary subjection, service, agape love to one another all the time. Now, has he created uh, pastors, teachers, structure, shepherds? Yes. But fundamentally, Ephesians 5.21 applies to everybody, not a title. So when, when you came here this morning, you know, did you come with this desire to submit, to serve, to love self-sacrificially one another? One another? This, this verse really breaks us out of sort of this individualistic view of my faith, my walk to saying, you know what? My gosh, I'm coming to this church family and, and regardless of the ministry title I might hold, I'm supposed to submit to one another here, right? Why else can submission be, be kind of one of those words that you kind of like, I don't know about that? It's risky. It's dangerous, right? I'm supposed to submit to you, which means, you know, I don't know if I can trust you. What are you going to do with my submission? You're going to take advantage of me? You're going to hurt me? Right? You're going to work me over? What are you going to do? So there's this element of submission that requires faith, requires trust, requires me trusting in one sense that if I'm going to submit to Mark, well, Mark's supposed to submit to me back, right? It's not a one-way street. This is a mutual. It's for a mutual benefit, right? But what's the basis of it? My walk with God, his walk with God, and if we're both where we're supposed to be, we can do this. We can do this, right? And so with all of this sort of fleshly, worldly uh, reaction, how do we do this? How, how, how can we overcome initial resistance 
to this idea of submission today to one another, but as we move forward, wives, husbands, children, parents, in your workplace, how do we overcome this, all right? Well, back to Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, Mark, again, you did a great job last Sunday. If you read that passage, those four verses, what you're going to see is that it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, okay? And then he says, addressing one another, giving thanks, and then he says, he comes to verse 21, submitting to one another. So here's the thing. My submission, my willingness to submit to one another is a fruit of being filled with the Spirit. You got to catch that. In fact, this idea, this truth of being filled with the Spirit is absolutely essential to everything, every area of your Christian walk. Everything comes out of this filling of the Spirit, okay? You got to get this. You have to understand what it means biblically to be filled with the Spirit because, again, in this verse today, submitting to one another comes out of being filled with the Spirit, okay? So, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, a couple things. Because in the world of church, this idea of filled with the Spirit, you know, depending on your church background, what you've read, what you've been exposed to, being filled with the Spirit, either some of you never heard it, this is brand new, some of you have, have like heard some things and you're like scared and you're nervous and you know, you're in, and other of you have just kind of said, don't bother me with that, you know, filled with the Spirit. Well, if Verse 18 says we're to be filled with the Spirit. Who's he talking to? Every single believer. Every single believer. If you're here, if you're watching, if you're listening, every single believer is to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? It's not for a select few. It's not for God's A-team. It's not for the pastors. Every single believer is to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Okay? The other thing is that this being, uh, being filled with the Spirit, it's supposed to be normal. Everyone say normal. Okay. In some church experiences, some church traditions, this idea, this phrase, being filled with the Spirit, is relegated to special events and conferences and experiences, right? And, I, you know, I just, oh, we're filled with the Spirit. Well... You know, you, you might have had a, a wonderful ex spiritual experience, but in this verse and doctrinally, being filled with the Spirit, it's just supposed to be normal. In fact, uh, Mark mentioned this last Sunday, to be filled with the Spirit is continuous. Like literally right now, as you sit here and, and as you watch and as you listen to this, if you're a believer, you're to be filled with the Spirit right now. Right? In fact, it, literally it's be ye being filled. It's continuous, 24-7, 365, never ending. We are to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit as believers. It's normative, it's everybody, okay? So you're like, well, but what about those other things that you've talked about? Well, there's some things that I call Holy Spirit one-offs that I want to, you know, that kind of help you understand um, because being filled with the Spirit is continuous, 
all the time. But there are some things that happen related to the Holy Spirit that happen to you at salvation. Okay? We saw in Ephesians 1, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit at salvation. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen? We were sealed. Past tense, one-time deal. Okay? What else happened? When you were saved, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into what? Into the church universal. Okay? When the word baptism means to place into. So, 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Again, you're saved, born again, regenerated, You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the church. Amen? Okay, got that? Third thing, you're indwelt. When you're saved, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. All right, so crazy. Right? A, cause for celebration, amen? Sealed, baptized, indwelt. Again, these are truths that we just kind of like check off the list. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know about you, but it never, I, I still cannot wrap my finite mind around the truth that as I stand here and as you sit there and as you watch, if you're a believer, you are indwelt by the third person of the Trinity. I don't, try to wrap your mind around what that should mean, like right now, like literally, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, all right? So we were sealed, baptized, indwelt, and now we're to be filled. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this quote by uh, Daniel Snadden. It is elementary for me to remind you that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. It is one thing for you to have the Holy Spirit. It is another thing for the Holy Spirit to have you. That is the core of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We might amen and assent to being the temple and having the Holy Spirit, but the question for you and me this morning, the real focal point is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Let me, let me get a little more specific. What percentage of you does the Holy Spirit have? Is it all? Is it like, Lord, here we go. Take it all. I'm, just, I'm all yours. Or like, oh, Holy Spirit, I give you like 10 today. I give you 10, a good 10% today. But 90% I got, right? And we, to, to kind of understand this, we have to understand, again, more, more clearly, what is to be filled with the Spirit? A, we know it's a command. It's continuous. Now, the Greek word is plerao, and Mark last Sunday had a a container and filled it with water to the brim, right? And I like that because it, it, it reminds us that we have all of the Holy Spirit, like all of it. When you're when you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells you. The person of the Holy Spirit, not like part of them. The Holy Spirit is there, right? But this idea of having all of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just quantity, okay? It's not just quantity. It's not like gas tank. 
What it means is this, and this is really important. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit has filled me to the degree that he controls me. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be controlled. Everyone say controlled. Controlled by the Holy Spirit. So it's probably better in our mind. The word filling is such quantitative, gas tank, water is a picture. It's, it's really be ye being controlled by the Spirit. Be filled continuously or be controlled continuously with the Spirit. Much more clear concise, really better word picture of what it means, right? In fact, that's why he says in 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now you understand why he said that, right? Some of you, don't raise your hands, some of you have experience with being under the influence of alcohol. Some of you have experience of being controlled by alcohol, consuming so much of it that maybe it filled your tummy, but what did it do, really? Began to exert control and influence over you, right? That's why he says that, that's why he gives that illustration in verse 18. He says, hey, hey, you know how after a certain point, alcohol controls you? You get liquid courage, and, and you start doing some stuff that you normally don't do. You know how alcohol can do that? He says, what I want you to do is I want you to let the Holy Spirit do that. I want you to understand that control, that influence that some of you were involved with, with alcohol and drugs. You know what? The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, wants that control and influence in your life. Right? That's what he's talking about. Charles Hodge says this. People are said to be filled with wine when they are completely under its influence. So they are said to be filled with the Spirit when he controls all their thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. The expression is a common one in Scripture. Of our Lord himself, it was said that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Of Stephen, that he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And also of Barnabas. To the Christians, therefore, the source of strength and joy is not wine, but the blessed Spirit of God. So again, we have the Holy Spirit... But does the Holy Spirit have you? How much control of your life does the Holy Spirit really have? That's what it is. That's the question, right? Because if we're to submit to one another, that's going to require a whole lot of control by the Holy Spirit. Because... This idea of submission is so scary, maybe so, I'm so resistant to it out of wanting to protect myself, out of independence. It's going to take, how many of you, it's going to take a miracle. Let, let's say, show of hands, it's a miracle for me to submit, right? Well, here's the crazy thing. Because it's a miracle and the work of the Holy Spirit, God gets the glory. That's the whole point. The whole point of, I've been telling you over and over through Ephesians, Ephesians is not practical, just practical. It's supernatural. So this idea of submitting one to another, it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, right? I, I love this, uh, John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How many of you experienced the wind event this week, right? And we were here, and it was blowing, and you know, we were here, and... I got here, and 
when there were two of these, right, I said, Ty, we should probably take off the back wall because it was blown. We took off the back wall. And it seemed fine that day. We were here for a few hours, and the wind was just going underneath it. I came back uh, in the morning, and one of them was flipped upside down. This one was this way, and, you know, piecing it together. These fences were down here. There's still fences down over there. And I was like, dude, look at what the wind did. And then I, then I came across what we were studying, and I'm like, what should the Holy Spirit be doing? Right? I mean, if the wind blows... And there's power in the wind, and we see evidence of it. As believers, there's got to be power and evidence in our life. Amen? Somebody's got to be like, dude, what's blowing through your life, bro? <laughs> what's the evidence? What, what's happened? Why did your life get flipped upside down? You used to do this, and you were so this, and you said, you told me there's no way you would ever submit to someone in marriage. And look at you, right? And what do you say? Oh, dude, it's just the Holy Spirit blowing through my life. I'm, I'm just giving him more and more control, right? Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit was the power behind the growth of the church. It's like sometimes, you know, we'll talk, well, how can we reach Ojai? And, and what can we do to reach the lost in Ojai? Sure, there's the programmatic end, and sometimes the pastors, we talk about this. But here's the thing. If we are going to reach the Ojai Valley for Jesus, it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be any special, fancy, spancy program, necessarily. He might use it. He might use something. But in the end, what you should be praying is a, just a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit in his church, empowering his church, his people, just to go. Just go. Maybe, maybe you're like, you avail yourself of God's control. You say, Lord, today, I, I just want to be a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, I give you full control. And he's like, okay, you, you, you sure? I'm sure, right? Okay, are you sure? Sure, okay. And you're walking down, and he's like, go, go share Jesus with that person. What? I thought you said you gave me 100%. What? What? What is, what is, uh, uh, uh. I thought you gave me 100%. You see, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, sometimes, you know, in the world of pastoring, we go to conferences. It's like church growth conferences and like how to grow your church, right? And all these wonderful principles. Nothing wrong with principles, nothing wrong with planning, except if you leave out the Holy Spirit. People say, like, how did you guys end up here? Weren't you at Cindy's living room, like, right in that neighborhood right there? Then you were Saturday nights, and like, how did you get this place? And I literally will say, I don't know. I don't know. Now, if I could package it and make binders and have conference, we could probably take this on the road and say, how to grow your church in a small town in 10 easy steps. That's not the way it works. Honestly, we, we plan, we prepare, we do the best we can. But I got to be honest with you guys, without the Holy Spirit, we're done. I, I, shared, I shared with the, uh, the leadership team, actually, Eileen, we're going to jump up to that quote uh, by Warren Wiersbe. He says this, as you read the book of Acts, you see the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, for there are some 59 references to the Spirit in the book or one-fourth of the total references found in the New Testament. Someone has said, if God took the Holy Spirit out of this world, most of what we Christians are doing would go right on, and nobody would know the difference. Sad, but true. You see, 
One of the challenges when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit on an individual level and on a corporate church level is that we can get a lot of stuff done without the Holy Spirit. I asked our leadership team today at our 8 o'clock meeting, could we have this service at 10 a.m. without the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, yes, we could. You could come. We set it up. I teach. And if it's not in the Spirit, I'm lecturing now. Uh, Vinny could lead worship. And I've been at churches. I shared with the leadership team. I've been at churches on staff where they wanted the worship so well done that they would hire professional musicians to come lead worship who weren't even believers. So they had worship, I guess, because the music sounded good, right? So there's the, the challenge with this being filled with the Holy Spirit is that in your life, you can do a lot. As a church, we can do a lot. But is it in the Spirit? Are we really being controlled by the Spirit? Is it in the power of the Spirit that this is being done? Or is it just duty, works, routine, good things, right? Even going to Mexico, YWAM. YWAM has secular groups go there all the time. So we can even be involved in missions and do a lot of good around the world, but it not be of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we, gotta, we really have to take the time to go, Lord, I know I have you. I, the Bible says I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, but Lord, do you really have me? Lord, do you really have this church? Because you remember, you remember the church in Ephesus, Revelation, right? They were a good church, orthodox. They challenged false teachers, right? A lot of good things were happening. A lot of people just like you were attending that church. But what does Jesus say about the church at Ephesus? You know what? You're doing a lot of good things, but you left your first love. What's that word love? Agape. What is agape? A fruit of the Spirit. So this church was doing a lot of good things, but Jesus himself says, but you're missing the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And we have to really ask ourselves to say, okay, Lord, am I really continuously even desiring to be controlled by the Spirit? Maybe the first step is, do I even have that desire? And, and I want to share with you, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we're going to be transformed, this, the idea of metamorphosis, right, into the image of Jesus, part of the process, okay, and this is not a one-off process. This is day in and day out. This is like gut-level transparency, sanctification, walk with Jesus. You and I have to be willing to say, Father, would you show me areas in my life where I'm struggling to give you control. Areas in my life where I am actually being controlled, filled, influenced by other things. In Luke 4, 28, 29, here's an example. It says, Jesus was teaching, and it says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him 
down the cliff. So in this example, they were filled with something, wrath, and it controlled them to the point they wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff. So you think about it right now. The political situation in this country. The pandemic. The things in your life. Are they controlling you? There's a lot of emotion right now. There's a lot of opinion. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of wrath. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. But you've got level on us right now. To what degree are these things controlling you versus the control of the Spirit? What's controlling you this morning? What's in, what are you under the influence of? The political situation? Are you under the influence of how you feel about the pandemic? What are you under the influence of? Right? Because we're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're to be controlled by the third person of the Trinity. Right? And, and the challenge of this, and, and really what turns into the testimony of this, is to walk in the Spirit in the midst of all of this. Okay? To sort through that. So we have to, we have to understand that, that there's a place, part of our sanctification is God showing you, hey, uh, Mark, that you talked about uh, idols. That's one way to look at it, an idol or something that's controlling you. So Mark said uh, last Sunday, one of the things that, that gets him is security, financial or whatever, security. So maybe in, in Mark's sanctification, God's going to challenge Mark not to be controlled more by his desire for security than by the Spirit. Because God might challenge Mark lovingly to step out in faith that'll actually push the security button. Right? Anybody here ever been challenged by God and it pushed some buttons of control and security in your life? Influence? And you're like, right? Okay. Right? So here's the thing I want to encourage you with. As we move forward in this, starting today, and just this is like, Every day, I've been walking with Jesus almost 30 years, and, and I'm realizing, you know what? I think a lot of this sanctification, transformation, metamorphosis is about God showing me areas in my life where I want to control things. And over time, God's saying, are you going to give me more control? When are you going to let me have control of that? Are you, okay, so it's not one big thing I've learned. It's, it's like a myriad of little things that come and go in seasons, Okay, so don't look for that big, the big scary gorilla in the closet. He might be there, but he's probably surrounded by a bunch of friends too. And God's been showing me like, you know, if you want to walk with me, if you want to walk in truth, if you want to walk as a child of light, you have more and more got to give me more and more of you. You got to have, I got to get control. And the temptation and the challenge for me is I want Anyone ever do this with God? Take the wheel. I got the wheel. Take the wheel. I got the wheel. I got one hand on the wheel. Okay, you got anyone? Anyone feel like, right? Remember that song, Jesus Take the Wheel, right? I'm not so sure I want Jesus to have the wheel all the time. 
right? I, how many of you feel better being the driver rather than the passenger? Uh, honest? Uh, right, right? Can't sleep a wink if someone else is driving. You're like, you try? Look at the speedometer, right? Not talking about you, honey, but you know, it's like, you know, I just try, right? And this process of sanctification. So here's what I want to do before we take communion. I'm going to share with you a bunch of different areas. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is mostly testimonial. It's not meant to point fingers at you. You know, one of those, okay, Lord, you really want me to share that? I'm going to share with you bunches of areas in my own life. Present tense, past tense, probably going to be future tense, where I wrestle with control. Surrender. Being filled. Pushes buttons. Some bigger than some. Some big buttons, little buttons. Some I feel like I'm dealt with, and then they just blow back in. You're like, holy cow, I thought I dealt with you. Nope, right? So here we go. How about um, there's things that you're controlled, things that might control you or influence you over and above being controlled by the Spirit, okay? Seasons, waves, whatever you want to call it. How about fears? Fear of rejection. Fear of failure, fear of abandonment, fear of ridicule, fear of persecution, fear of death, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of worst case scenarios, fear of making a mistake. How about insecurities, self-esteem, identity, acceptance, anxieties, worry? How about being controlled by the past? Regrets, shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? How about forgiveness and unforgiveness issues controlling you, influencing you? How about just straight up circumstances controlling you, influencing you? How about your feelings, anger, resentment, bitterness, denial, avoidance? How about money, finances, financial security, pride, success, achievement, the American dream, material things, comfort, pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain, lust, substance abuse, addiction, desire to be in control, my own opinions, leaning on my own understanding, right? Desire for the things of the world, security and comfort. Quite a list, right? And I share that with you, and you can feel free to add your own, but I share that with you because what do those represent? Challenges to control. Areas in my life where I am tempted and tested to take back control and to be filled with the past, to be filled with worry, to be filled with fear, to be filled with pride, to be filled with the pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain, to be filled with insecurities. All these things fill me, which means what? Control me. And then I'm making decisions not based on the spirit of God. I'm making decisions based on what's controlling me. And that's where we have to start this before we can submit to one another and before we can talk about wives and husbands and parents and kids and your workplace, it goes back to being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. Because see, here's the thing. If in my past I got burned by somebody, burned, hurt, betrayed, whatever you want to call it, and then I come across this submit to one another and I'm looking at body comb, but I'm being controlled by my past bad experiences of being burned by another human, you got to believe that in the flesh, this now becomes an issue of trust and faith in God. 
This now becomes an issue of me being controlled by the Spirit rather than my past. That's an example of what we're talking about here. And so this morning, really just want to lovingly encourage all of us to take time, especially in the circumstances with the politics and pandemic, great real-world examples here. What is controlling you? What is controlling you? What's influencing you? What, what, when you think of making a decision, what's your go-to first? Well, 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 what's, what's deep things? And like I said, you know, I got a list of like 20 plus. I don't know how long your list will be, but these 20, by golly, God keeps me humble because he's like, <laughs> for whatever reason, he allows them to cycle through every once in a while. And you know what it does? It keeps me dependent. I wake up every day and I say, Lord, I need you today because I don't know what's going to happen, but I know me and I have this tendency, I have this humanness part of me that when things happen, I tend to want to take control of it. And usually, how many of you have, have reacted in the flesh, your words, your actions, your thoughts, and like about 10 yards down the road, you're like, oh, I better ask God about this. Ever had those moments where you're like, I don't think I reacted in the spirit. I think I just kind of fleshed out right there, or I think I responded like the old me, right? So we kind of have this awareness where we might be aware, like, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if we just over time developed this habit of going to the Spirit first, right? I remember this little pamphlet I had 20, 30 years ago as a new believer. It says, your reactions are showing Anyone ever have a, your reactions are showing moment this week? So, did something happen and you just reacted? And you're like, oopsie. You had a, like your reactions. You're like, dude, where did that come from? How many of you ever had a dude, where did that, and you're talking to yourself, dude, where did that come from? Right? Like, I don't know if that was real spiritual right there, dude. You know, and you're just like, whoa, where is that? It's okay. It's all part of God's sanctification. Amen? Okay, but, but my heart... Really, my heart for, for us this morning is to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Be controlled by the Spirit. What does that mean? Ugh. What that really means is, Lord, show me the areas where I'm battling you for control. Show me the areas where I need to have more trust and faith and surrender and submission. Show me the areas where I'm terrified and I'm filled with anxiety and insecurity and fear and help me to trust you with that, all of it, amen? And as you do that, and as the Holy Spirit gets more and more control of you, here's, here's the beautiful thing, right? Here's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, okay, Let's all say this together because how many of you would have the love to have the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, to have the fruit of the Spirit, you need to be what? Filled with the Spirit. To have the fruit of the Spirit really is a fruit of being controlled by the Spirit. How many would desire to have this fruit in your life? All right, so we're going to say it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen? Where does that come from? Surrender. Surrender. Let him have control 
Step out in faith and let the Holy Spirit blow through your life. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I even thank you for this wind event that reminds us how powerful you are. Sure, the wind did some damage here. Oh, God, but you say we will receive your power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And so, Father, our desire is to be obedient to the command to be filled with the Spirit. And yet this morning we recognize that to be filled is really to be controlled. And even beyond that, we understand that to be controlled means we cannot be in control. And Father, you know each person here, you know each person listening. So I pray that you would speak truth to our hearts right now. What are the areas in our life where we are under control? We are being influenced. Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Pride? Whatever it is. Father, in this moment with you before communion, we're just going to pause and surrender these issues to you. So, Father, we're going to use this as a time of confession right now. We confess these areas where we're struggling to trust you and we're struggling to release control to the Spirit. We're not going to hide them. We're not going to play games. We're not going to play church. We're going to get gut level honest and confess these areas. Right now, just confess it. Before God, just admit, confess, admit the areas in your life right now where you are struggling to release control. I'll just give you a few moments. Father, some of these areas are really scary. Some of these areas carry a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and some unpleasant memories. But Father, we don't want to be controlled by the past. We don't want to be controlled by the flesh. We don't want to be controlled by self. So Father, in the best way we know how, we're surrendering these areas to you. And the best way we know how, Father, we're trusting you with these areas that have exerted so much control and influence in our lives. As your children, Father, we're reminded of our absolute dependence and our need right now. Father, help us to be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit continuously for your glory. And when we fail... Father, pick us up, dust us off, and we'll keep walking with you. But in the best way we know how we purpose, we choose at this very moment to surrender. To surrender. Romans 12:1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. So, Father, in obedience to Romans 12, 1, we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices, trusting you with our entire life, every area of our life. We trust you with it now. We present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, great opportunity right now. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Give your life to Jesus. Give him control. Give the spirit control. Jesus, I need you as my Savior, my Lord. Take control of my life. I'm trusting you right now for my salvation. You alone. I give you control. I give you control. I will follow you. 